Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Jim White, and we're coming to you live from Carmel, California, on the 30th of July, 2011. We've got a fantastic show for you today. This is part four of our six-part series on economic impact of construction in California. The past three sessions, uh, we really have dug into this topic, and uh, today we're going to continue to dig deeper. You know, the ongoing construction downturn is, is not only devastating to people working directly in, the, in construction. It is serving as a drag on the U.S. economy as well. That is because construction spending accounts for more than 8% of the U.S. gross domestic product and is responsible for one out of every 10 U.S. manufacturing shipments and one out of every 12 machinery shipments. Given that the vast majority of construction firms are small, local businesses, the strength of that sector has a disproportionate impact on the communities in which they reside. Reviving demand for construction, particularly the private sector construction activity, and at the real peak, uh, so 2006, that was about 76%, is essential to sustaining broader economic growth. The health of the construction industry is vital to our economic strength, employment levels, and the quality of life. Yet, the industry continues to suffer from a prolonged downturn, and as a result, is serving as a continued drag on a broader economic expansion. It is clear that a new approach is needed, one that puts particular emphasis on boosting private sector demand and providing economic certainty. Today, joining me to discuss these and other vital issues facing the, our industry in California is my special guest, Mr. Michael Gelati. Mike is the president of Gelati Brothers, Inc., and he is considered one of the most respected contractors in the state of California. He is also considered a partnering pioneer, if you will, a front-runner. We're going to be talking about that. And has been actively engaged in all phases of partnering with the industry, with the owners and contractors, city, county, and federal agencies. You can join the discussion with Mike and I by dialing 619-768-7298. And now, welcome to welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, sir. It all started in 1914, and uh, that was actually five years 
prior to this word that's all over the news today, debt ceiling, because the debt ceiling came into place in 1919. So you guys have a long history. Uh, it's just uh, start off with the show, just just sharing uh, the history, and like I said, yeah, and 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 where it started, and just uh, who you are, and uh, and uh, just uh, it's just uh, dig into that. So um, tell us about Gelati Brothers. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, we're very proud of our history. We like to think it gives us our core values and our our roots that we uh, always fall back on. My grandfather James was a uh, stonemason in northern Italy, and uh, he and his brothers back then used to travel around Europe and get work. They were in South Africa in the diamond mines, uh, got put in jail for a while while the Civil War <laughs> was going on there, and ended up uh, going back to uh, to northern Italy, Lake Como area, and realized that they didn't like getting paid for the work in uh, goats and cheese. And uh, so they got used to having currency and, and money in their hand. And uh, so they had relatives in California, uh, James and his brothers, and they'd heard about the earthquake. Came over and had some work and got, got going and, uh, you know, went back to Italy, got married and had a son, came back over to California a couple of years later, started a company in San Rafael, California, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge there, 1914, and had five sons, lost one. Uh, to a car accident, the first automobile uh, vehicular uh, fatality in uh, in Northern California in 1917. But had four brothers, had four sons, and a and a daughter, and, and started doing stonemasonry work. And some of his projects are still around uh, today in um, the the Bay Area and uh, are a source of uh, value for us. But he kept going, and uh, around 1930s, he changed it to James Gelati and Sons, and he started incorporating his sons into the business, and they developed into other types of work. Eventually, in 1950, uh, well, before that, all four sons, which is kind of unique, you know, um, signed up for the war. So they went and did that, and he kept the business going. And then in 1950, his health started failing a little bit, and uh, he made the four brothers buy the company from him so that they would have the value of the, the company. And uh, they started on a robust program, like much like, uh, you know, the United States after the war, uh, bought a lot of military equipment that was uh, no longer needed and uh, really grew the business into all facets of general engineering and uh, heavy highway and airport work uh, through the 60s. We had a brother my uncle uh willie that passed early he was kind of the glue in the family and uh, of course you've got a lot of personalities and a lot of uh drama with italians so pretty soon uh one of the brothers the remaining three they they couldn't couldn't make it work and, and he went off and started a concrete company and the two remaining brothers my dad mario and dino they uh they did business for about 40 years and, and had a great relationship and really, uh, you know, developed the company into a, uh, you know, company that is, I think, well-respected in the industry. And after that, uh, you know, my, my uncle split in 90, I'm sorry, my uncle passed away in 1991. We had to recapitalize, and my cousin mm-hmm. couldn't do that, so we had another split. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cousin went out and started another company. Right now, there's presently three other Gelati companies, all in Northern California, all in the North Bay that all compete against each other. <laughs> so it's interesting there. 
and my brother and I took over, uh, we took over ownership in 2000 and, uh, you know, my, my father worked, um, every day until he passed in 2011, came in every day and did his routine, uh, which is very vivacious and entertaining for all. And, uh, you know, over the last five years, we've, you know, had our revenue grow about 151% and, uh, our profit growth has been 424% in the last five years. So we've enjoyed a bit of success, even despite the, uh, the economy and the downturn. Where's this growth coming from, Mike, especially, as you, as you say, in, in, in this economy? I mean, where, what, what, what are you doing uh, differently? So what, how do you account for this? Well, in 2006, Jim, we, we looked at, you know, a, a period of time in the company, we were, you know, almost 95 years at that point. And mm-hmm. it was clear to me that other companies, especially new entrants to the construction industry, were had this had this energy and vitality like a startup company, like an Internet company, and, mm-hmm. and, and were able to do things that were dynamic. And so I kind of looked at it. The timing was unique. California, Caltrans had just started the partnering program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the steering committee for that. Uh, we had just had uh, a couple of projects where we got introduced to uh, BHOGS, Big Hairy Audacious Goals, and, and partnering <laughs> through that. And it all kind of came together that we really needed something new, and we started a process of doing internal partnering and planning and we did those sessions two times a year with all of our uh, company employees except the Mm -hmm. rank and file Mm -hmm. and just looked at how can we do business better how can we you know do continuous improvement in the company how can we take a situation where other companies are backing off a lot of companies said well we're going to wait until the downturn ends well (laughs) that was four (laughs) years ago so they're still waiting or they decide to jump in and they jump in too late but um, we just were fortunate. We were in public infrastructure, uh, public works, uh, heavily about 85% of our work is public works. And uh, California has enjoyed a bond measure, Prop 1B, that they passed in 2004 that, uh, you know, had uh, $17 billion worth of work. And then with the stimulus money from the federal government, we've been able to, to really be aggressive in, in how we approach the work and, and, uh, and, and be successful. The stimulus money, you can actually measure measure that? I mean, that, I, I know if you, you talk to a lot, of, a lot of contractors, a lot of people in our industry, and especially, you know, Northern California and throughout California, uh, you, you, you got different views on that. Well, yeah, the money's there, but where's it going? It, it hasn't been spent. So uh, you, you've, in fact, uh, had the uh, pleasure to work on some projects. It's a direct result of that. Yes, yeah, we have. Uh, and for us, it's easier to detect because we know in the projects for Caltrans, for example, that there's a federal uh, set of specifications and guidelines because it is ARRA stimulus money. So we know that that's a part of that work. Um, we've been on Doyle Drive. It's a signature project, excuse me, coming from the Golden Gate Bridge south into San Francisco. It was a bridge series of bridges that were built in the 30s. I think it had the number three worst safety rating in the United States. And yeah. they finally were able to kick that into gear actually a year and a half early because they got a, such a huge 
commitment of stimulus. But I've I've always thought, Jim, that the stimulus money wasn't used properly um, because of the way the federal government designed the the work criteria. They wanted a big hit. They wanted to be able to tell the taxpayers, we're making a difference with this stimulus money. We're making the economy grow. But they shortchanged it because the requirements they put on the type of jobs ended up resulting in primarily a lot of, in our industry anyways, overlays, <laughs> putting asphalt over the exactly. top of existing asphalt, something that was a quick hitter, something that had some value. But the problem is the dollars in an overlay about 60% go to materials and another 10% or 15 go to hauling and trucking. So mm-hmm. when you talk about guys working, it's not like 40 guys on a pipeline like the old WPA projects in the 30s and 40s, you know, not a lot of bodies. You have a lot of material. So I think that that was uh, unfortunately a result of not good thorough process and the criteria of the jobs they set up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and you make an excellent point there, because you know, I, I know within in the industry when we saw all these overlays coming out, everybody was scratching their head. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you uh, really uh, talked about that, Mike, because uh, and I and, and I'm in agreement uh, that, that it could have been used better. But as we see the things today, let's just start off with our uh, beautiful state of California. And with your rich history back to 1914, and when I read a recent report from the chief executive's uh, uh, magazine and the annual survey you're probably familiar with, uh, we were ranked in number 50 out of 50 as, you know, we're, we're, we're the number one, if you will, worst state to do business in today is California. Well, that really distressed me. <laughs> I went, woo, <laughs> how do we get there? Uh, you know, what, what's your view? I mean, you, you're, you're, you're in Sacramento and, uh, you're, you're really active on, uh, different associations. One of, uh, that you're on the board of is the EUCA. Maybe we'll hit on that a little bit, what they are and, uh, and, and what they do. But, you know, what, what's going on in California? And, uh, boy, we, in, and knowing that we could be on the air for the next 10 years to discuss this. But uh, if if you will, your your views. I mean, you uh, you're in a unique position to share with our audience, and we have a lot of people listening today from our industry in Northern California. So, uh, what what's Mike's view? I mean, what's 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 Governor Brown need 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 to do Monday morning that he's not doing? It's going to help our industry. Yeah, I don't know what he can do Monday morning. Maybe show up earlier for work. But you know, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 thing that I see is you know the the breakfast meeting I just went to uh, two weeks ago was I think uh, the governor of Texas who was actually in that same rating number one I think at the time right number two Virginia exactly Rick Perry and and yep. he came in and he chatted about some of the great things the state of Texas has done, how they turned it around. They're so aggressive in how they approach business, and they see the vitality of business and what it does for the economy, a lot of what you touched on in your preamble. And you look at California, there's some things that are really long-term big problems, Uh, the challenges that we have with the environmental requirements, uh, regulations, 
all these things. The, the, the court system, we're so liberal in California with our court system that businesses shy away. Insurance companies want more money. They're, they're, there's no certainty about what's a reasonable verdict or, or a stipulation for compensation. And you see these outrageous, you know, million-dollar settlements for things. So those are all problems. But if you want to just start quickly, you'd say mm-hmm. California has no certainty. It's like the federal government. Every year we're sitting here trying to figure out if we've got a a state budget that we can rely on, and it's all this drama, and it draws everything out. If you're a businessman and you're working in California, you want to have a state that's on their game, that's decided what their budget is, something that you can do, long-term planning. It's just like the federal government. There's no investors in the United States, no companies are taking an aggressive approach because they have no idea what the federal government's going to do, where they're right. heading, you know, how we're going to do business together. So, you know, I think that's a big challenge that California has. They haven't had an opportunity to reinvest in the infrastructure. We were known in the 50s for this tremendous system of, of highways, uh, and since then we've just totally gone the other direction with uh, improving transit and, and uh, you know, the whole infrastructure of, of highways and road systems and rails, and, uh, and, and that's, that's brought, you know, our ability to function on a world market uh, to, to a small, you know, much less degree than we enjoyed years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on last week's uh, show, and uh, we were talking about that a little bit more, and actually uh, I was looking at a report that was uh, – the most recent one, I should say, 2009, by the Society of Civil Engineers, you know, where they uh, do this uh, annual uh, report card. And as we started going and digging through each element of infrastructure in the state of California, it was it was appalling based on the report. For example, they're saying that 69 of California's 1,247 dams are in need of rehab to meet applicable state dam safety standards. And we just go on and on and on. So... We certainly have a need, right? We, there, the, the need is there in, in the uh, in the infrastructure in, in California, and uh, I think your association recently did a nice video. Uh, what what was it? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it had to do with the congestion, uh, right? And 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 what it was costed, productivity, and gasoline, and so and so. These things are real, yet. Uh, we we have, we have a tendency to uh, get bogged down, and, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to take this too far to the side. <laughs> <laughs> and you know where I'm going. I'm dancing. I'm on a slippery slope here uh, about the politics. Uh, you know, I think right now as we're on the show, we we can we can tune in to any uh, any any station around the world, and they're certainly doing good coverage to the debt ceiling issues, right? So we'll keep ours focused on what we can do at home, and that's the intent right here. What the business leaders, your peers, and other what we can do uh, to create a sense of urgency, uh, because the needs here, um, we have a lot of firms actually are sitting on a lot of cash. Your numbers, right? Yep. So we're sitting on that cash. For fear, would that be? Uh, would you agree with that? There says fear, and, and it's kind of hard to plan, as, as, as you've said. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, how do how do we how do we at a local level start uh, saying, you know, 
okay, we, we got this government, but what what can we do? Very much like what you guys have done since 1914. What 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 can we continue to do? Uh, to continue to do business where we're less reliant on the, the public, uh, or you know, the, the, the public sector, but that's where the money comes from with these major infrastructure projects. Am, am my question making sense? It is. It is, and it's it's a it's a pretty broad spectrum of yep. if you think of all the things that you know yep. are out there. But you know, first of all, touching uh, back on the regulations, you know, on that mm-hmm. side of what it does, it takes Cal, Caltrans, the the state public agency, ten years from the time that they design a project till they can actually get it built. And it's become a scenario where they're actually building an environmental project to do a construction project. Their estimate of this new water quality regional um, board and and what they're doing with this latest uh, uh, amendment, they're they're estimating it's going to cost $2 billion dollars next year if they have to implement all the things that they have to do they're, they're being told that there's 657 tributaries water that flows in and around the, the highway programs in California that they're going to have to monitor and uh, analyze and so you know you look at how it cripples uh, uh, you know any of the you know companies uh, organizations agencies doing business it's it's like the report you're talking about, the, the scenario that the um, UCA put out about, you know, the $717 each, you know, mm-hmm. motorist pays an additional cost each year because of maintenance of their vehicle because of the bad roads and the mm-hmm. 23 minutes extra that they sit every day in traffic as an average through the state of California because of congestion. But, you know, the problem I see it is, Jim, and I, I listened to a guy tell me one time about a year ago in San Francisco Transportation Authority when they were doing a long-range planning deal. He says, construction's not sexy. <laughs> it just doesn't compel yep. the taxpayer to step up and say, this is a problem. This is something that needs our attention right now. We need to do this. It doesn't command uh, a level of attention that fire, police, schools, all right. those things uh, take place. But our payment structure, how we do the gas mm-hmm. tax, uh, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. in, in right, California, right? right? Funding right, mechanism, right. the same has been since 1997. You know, right. we get, I think, 26 to 31 cents a gallon out of that gas tax to to help build infrastructure. You know, in Europe, it's like $3. And, right. you know, we just don't, we don't have a mechanism in place that will, uh, accommodate the in, inflation and in, in cost and, and, the, and the cost that it takes to build in today's California. And, uh, you know, the only thing I can think of, and we've been asking ourselves and our associations, We I belong, you know, I'm on the board of California Alliance for Jobs. They're doing a tremendous job of trying to, you know, get people working and establish a sense of urgency. But it's so hard because it's, it's education. It, it's just trying right. to get the word out to the people that, you know, we have a great state, but we could be so much better if we just took the opportunity to invest in our infrastructure and get it to a level that's consistent with other states even, or, you know, the Europe and European world. I mean, we are such a disadvantage with the level of capacity and service of our infrastructure. So 
I, I don't know that there's a, a real good answer for you. Uh, I think we need to, you know, educate the people and, and ultimately educate them and to the people that are the legislators and the decision makers that, you know, control and drive the, the state and, and try to build some momentum. There is no momentum. If you're in a company that was California, how would right, you go right. to work each day? <laughs> you I, want I, to take a permanent vacation. I, I, I agree I agree totally. And I also agree with you 100% of you know, that cliche about education. And, and and you're taking your time on a Saturday morning away from the family because I know you put in a lot of hours, as uh, most contractors do, and to come on, come on our show to do just that, educate and create a sense of urgency. So I, I really appreciate it. And this is, what, this is what we're here to do. Nothing more, educate, create a sense of urgency, and allow – our industry to know that we got more power than we believe we do have. And as you said, construction is not sexy. However, construction is high risk, high risk, and the old perception that we got, you know, uh, all, all we know is four-letter words and so on and so forth. This industry is very sophisticated, <laughs> right? Very sophisticated. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, we have and, yeah, we have to be. Yeah, you you ab- absolutely do, and it, it's no longer. I mean, the higher degrees and the professionalism and 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 what you put in place with your partner and in your strategic planning and all of the things uh, that you were talking about earlier in the show, that's made a difference. And once again, the percentages that you cited for as your top line growth and your uh, earnings, if you will. Is, is just phenomenal. But a lot of that, if I heard you correctly, and if I didn't, please correct me, a lot of that was done by internal controls that you put in place. Is that fair to say? In education Absolutely. controls? Yeah. Uh, in, internal improvements. Uh, yeah. You know, just continually refining how we do, how we do business, how efficient we are, how effective we are. Because that's really the only upside we have in construction. It was funny you were saying, you know, that we have to we have to be that way. We have to be sophisticated. How can you take a business where the overhead and profit on a job averages three to five percent right now, right, and right. and feel like you're going to be successful when that job completes? You have right. to find a way of of doing business better internally and controlling and, and and finding a way to, you know, improve on what you got. When we get a job, we know what we got. We got the unit prices, we got the quantities, we got our markups, and what our guys have been successful at is saying, okay, that's not good enough. That's just the foundation. Now I've got to find a way to build in profit to this job. I got to go be creative. I got to do value engineering i got to make sure that this job hits all the the key elements all the way across, has momentum, all those things. And that's where the industry has to be, you know, and, and we still have a lot of improvement in that area as, as an industry, I think, too. I agree with you. There is a lot of improvement. But that's the exciting part of that because of the internal improvements available uh, through, through your operations. And as you say, looking at 3 to 5% margins – well, it doesn't take many hiccups to go sideways, and and and, and we got to make sure that when you're looking at these jobs, uh, and, and and there's something I was sharing with a group in, in one of my workshops a couple of weeks ago. 
bid the project and not the competition. Absolutely. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, come, come on, guys. Bid the project. Let the project speak to you, not your competition. And so we have a, you know, you can imagine that, that you know, ensued a lot of discussion, which became very passionate. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, for the last three years, it hasn't taken much to be a good estimator if you really want to work. On the <laughs> public right. work side, you take the engineer's estimate, you you multiply it or divide it by 30%, and you come up with what your target area is going to be because you know your competition is bidding that range. and. Yeah. You know, that that is what you're talking about, bidding the competition. I'm going to get to this number because I need work. Well, that's, right. that's a recipe for disaster. You know, you you, you do that, and, and a lot of companies, you see them, you know, new guys. I mean, we've you know, 97 years. Wait a minute. Right. <laughs> where's this company coming from? All of a sudden, in the last right. six months, they got all the work. They're on fire. They're going like hell. And yeah. a year and a half away, they disappear. Yeah. <laughs> or they're not doing as much work because they got all their cost reports in finally. They found out what it's costing them. You know, it's easy to go out and get work. It's the poor guys that are the project managers and the project supervisors that gotta gotta go make it happen and go, well, wait a minute. Where's I don't have enough in my budget to do this. You didn't include this. You didn't have that, you know. So you're exactly right. And and so you've got to find a way of of, of making sure you got your cost covered and you're bidding your work and then making a business decision from there. Because right. there's people that are getting work that are bidding, that, but they're they're deciding, well, you know, I may not have to, I may not be able to charge, uh, you know, my full equipment utilization internal cost right now or do other things. But at least if you start with that as your basis of understanding, then you're on the right track. No, I am absolutely uh, great, great advice. Mike, we got to get a quick commercial uh, end, uh, uh, about, about a minute in, or so on a quick commercial. But when we come back after the break, uh, I'd like to dig uh, in and, and, and talk about uh, some other things that are pending in, in, in Congress and uh, some different uh, tax credit stuff and uh, payroll tax and, and all that type of thing and get your thoughts on that. So if you'll hang in there, we'll be right back. Sounds great. This segment is brought to you by TES Asset Management and Consulting Group. Is it time to develop the resources and talent to grow your bottom line? TES Asset Management and Consulting Group and JL White International Inc. is comprised of a team of seasoned executives with extensive experience in merchant banking. From its origins in the 18th century, merchant banking has today evolved into an enterprise that not only finances a company's product or services, but also assist in developing a comprehensive business strategy. TES Asset Management and Consulting Group will not only assist you in merchant banking, but provide business development, strategy, execution, succession planning, corporate finance, capital market research, human resources, marketing, branding, public relations, international joint ventures, partnering, M&A due diligence, and transaction negotiation and execution, 
with specialized solutions for construction contractors, OEMs, and dealerships. Learn more today at tesamg.com. That's tesamg.com. We're back. Let's talk about, I mean, there's so many, I mean, so much going on, and uh, like I said, we could get into the debt ceiling, and, and, and we're looking at the uh, California's budget. Uh, but let me get your views just briefly on one prop in, in California, what, Prop 26? Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that, Prop 26, uh, and and uh, has to do with uh, taking money uh, from the transportation side in the state and moving it over to the general fund. Uh, is you are you got any latest things on that? Or and, and I know I'm going some places here, which is very uh, that may be out of uh, things that you're looking at. But w- what I really want to key up here, Mike, is those things that you're aware of that we need to be aware of as an industry, where it's Prop 26 or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. So, can uh, is, there, is there some stuff that you can say that you know is pending? Uh, and uh, I might add uh, uh, our next show. Uh, we're, we're we're bringing some other folks on, and we're going to be dealing into these props in more details. Let's deal with it every day. So, uh, what what's going on in in, in the state uh, right at the moment that we should be aware of as as an industry? And it can be it can be anything that uh, that we need to start focusing our attention on. Uh, yeah, there, there is so much stuff, and and yeah. it's you know just a continual effort to keep your eyes on the ball. Um, right. I think the biggest challenge that contractors have is it takes so much to to run a company to run it successfully that we we get tunnel vision on that side of our industry that you know we're just trying to show up and and make a difference every day and mm-hmm. my dad told a, a a newcomer to the industry in uh, you know the late seventies you know he was asking him how to how to be successful and what he need to do and the first thing mm-hmm. he told him is get political. And mm. that's a weird concept for construction people. They they love the the earth. They love working with their hands. They like doing stuff. That's totally atypical of politics. Right, right. Contrast what, what those guys come sometimes come to come to do. But you know, the fact remains that that's our livelihood is that politics and and the decisions they make has profound influence obviously on our livelihood and uh prop 26 is out there they've been looking at ways to you know recapture mm-hmm. revenue and, right. and and increase revenue and and so they're you know like everything they continue to look at how do we you know take pockets of money that maybe we can squeeze or reduce put mm-hmm. it in the general fund improve our state the problem mm-hmm. is is that this has been going on for a decade or more prop 42 was one of the first ones we came out right. with that said you know you can't keep taking gas tax money away and right. you know even if you declare emergency and say you're going to repay it later it's it's crippling us and so we had certainty with that until about a year ago and then they they did an initiative that you know replace they, they replaced the word tax with user fee or something else and were able to swap and they they got their money but they allowed us in the industry to keep 
our revenue. So right now, from what I hear, we're, you know, the latest is we're, we're somewhat okay. Nothing's okay. Nothing's safe. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I, I don't really know of, all the impending legislation and where they're targeting and where they're going and right. immediate call for action. All I can encourage contractors to do is to access either your association you belong to or California Alliance for Jobs or any of these vehicles, Transportation California. They have websites. They they come out with month you know weekly bulletins, you know, you can stay informed, you can be active. I think the greatest opportunity for our industry, Jim, is somehow to pool, as you said earlier, all these people that prosper or rely or are a part of the construction industry. You talked about, you know, all the manufacturing and and all the other sectors that prosper from Mm -hmm. it. If we were able to get everybody together when these issues come up and say we have 30,000, 50,000 people in the state of California, it's probably more than that, that are behind this issue and need you you legislators to make this happen for the better of the infrastructure and the, in this, in the economy. That would be a powerful voice, but we're fragmented. And, and we're, we're kind of at a you know, disadvantage of some of these grassroots efforts that, you know, they get a website and pretty soon everybody's on there and they speak for a lot of people. Right. Uh, and 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 get a voice, and and right. so I think that's our next best option is is how do we get this huge sector of people that can and and when they prosper, the state prospers, right? I tell you, I tell you, as you were explaining, I'm sitting here and I got I, I just got literally chills running up because man. Uh, that is a discussion, and I've been singing that from the top of the thing, and, and because all of our contracts, all of our allied industries, and just recently I, I uh, had uh, 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 one of the councils on from the Associated Equipment Distributors in Washington, and we were doing a, uh, a show uh, three or four weeks ago. And then we got over here the uh, Associated Equipment Manufacturers. And you're so right. Coming together, all the suppliers, the contractors, we are a powerful voice. However, getting everybody behind the same issue, because we got competing associations to a degree, but I think that's some of the things that we've got to come together. And if if the folks that's uh, listening to the show today, and and one of the great things uh, about our show. The viral, and uh, since we and I'm going to add, since we started this topic, we've had over about 200, about a quarter of a million people to tune in to these other three series so far. So somebody's liking our message, and, and <laughs> you know, somebody said, "Woo!" Because this is what we're doing: is uh, the education, uh, inspiring sense of urgency. We have a voice, and let's get our voice together and let's be heard because we come together. We got a strong, powerful voice, and uh, I, I just love the way you, way you laid that out. And uh, boy, I am there. Uh, talking about Prop Twenty Six, and and, and and like I said, that is so complex. I mean, it, it is a complex deal, and uh, and and I appreciate that. But we'll get your thoughts on this. There's some discussion uh, going on in in, in Congress uh, about. This transition to the vehicle miles tax versus the fuel. 
what what's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, kind of doing because as you explain in uh, our uh, fuel tax, even though thirty what thirty two cents or whatever it is, the way California structure, we don't see all that money either. We're we're kind of upside down the way it's the way it's distributed from the federal government as far as the uh, you know the trust fund is concerned. So what's what's your thoughts if what if we what if we did away with the uh, fuel tax and went to uh, vehicle mileage? What's what's your thoughts on that? I'm a staunch Republican, and uh, you know that comes from a long lineage. Uh, but you know I'm I'm frustrated with where you know the the House and the Senate are with this whole issue, and and I understand right. you know the fact that you know we've got. Uh, you know the, the 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 sector that wants no taxes and all that, and and I agree with that to a certain point. But the fact of the matter is, this, this isn't like income tax or or other types of taxes. This is a, a tax that's a revenue to generate income, revenue to generate more work and and more uh, you know uh, investment in infrastructure. So. I'm sitting here frustrated saying, mm. you know, you guys can't run a federal highways program, you know, on the kind of dollars, first of all, that is in the system. You know, mm-hmm. it's antiquated. Number mm-hmm. two, there's no certainty. Right now the federal highway bill is subject to whatever, you know, the federal government decides on, on this debt ceiling issue. And right. So you've got this massive federal highway program. It, just like the rest of the private entities have uncertainty about what they're doing. How can they do a long-range planning program and, and really have, you know, value and momentum when they don't know what they're going to be able to spend over the next two or five years or six years? I heard that, you know, if they have the reductions that they're proposing right now in the federal highway system, the mm-hmm. money that flows to California would be reduced by $7 billion over the next five years. So it's just trickle-down effect is going to crush us. But um, I, I think the, the user tax makes sense because now you've, you've taken away the argument that everybody's being taxed and that it's not a fair system and that they can't raise taxes, and you're saying let's let's tax the people that are that are actually using the system, that are on the highways, that are, you know, and, and let's get something. I mean, how can you run uh, uh, an organization – where you're, you know, you're you're looking at an antiquated system of revenue that is not meeting your needs and won't meet your needs. You know, California, they're saying right now, it's five to seven years just to upgrade and improve all the existing infrastructure and nothing else. It would take that long just to get them to a safe, updated capacity. And we'll just never get there if we don't do something. So it's that way with the federal government, too. I think it's... Uh, Something that you know has to has to be looked at, and, and I think it probably is ultimately the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, people that are using the highways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. What's your thoughts on this discussion? that's also going around in Congress about the uh, the National Infrastructure Bank. And, uh, you know, for a lot of our listeners, they, they don't understand. I mean, we do have – what's an infrastructure bank? Uh, we have such a thing in California. I mean, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, maybe share a little bit on that. What, what's this infrastructure? Well, what would it do? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Jim, I, I pretend like I, I'm really in depth in a lot of 
That's a, that's a, and and and, uh, and you know, he's trying to keep his finger on the pulse of what's going on and and how you it. know some uh, and, and try. Yeah, got it. I'm getting a bad connection here. Uh, my, so I think I heard a lot about it early on, and yeah. it sounds like progress. That you know okay. that was where they wanted to go, and it's kind of tight, at least in the federal side. I thought it had value. Concept, I guess, was. You have a funding mechanism that goes into this infrastructure bank. I think the concept was you got a pot of money, and these states and these programs can basically vie for funds. They can come, you know, it'd be a program where, hey, California is really on their game. They've got the the high-speed rail, which, quite frankly, I guess, is also maybe going to be, uh, a major problem if the if, if Congress goes in this direction that they're talking about uh, with mm-hmm. with you know the funding mm-hmm. high speed mm-hmm. rail might might have a real problem there but yeah you had a, right. and you had you know the ability for states to vie for for high value projects right. I think the concept was that you know you would be able to uh, apply for these funds and it would stimulate the the economy. And, and revitalize the infrastructure based on who's who's the user of funds. And I can mm-hmm. tell you that there was a periodical, Jim, I read a little while ago from Victor Mendez in the Federal Highways, and he looks at California as one of the most inefficient users of federal money. And a lot of it is because our environmental requirements has slowed down the project delivery methods so bad that right. when they look at other states, they look at us as being deficient in our ability to do work effectively. And right. he's looking at other, you know, investment vehicles, uh, not investment vehicles, but other project delivery uh-huh. methods like design build, best value, P3, all those things as a way of helping California leap over the hurdle of being looked at as this state that federal government gives the money, guess what? It doesn't result in the same value and the same results as other states in the union. Yeah. You know, you just hit on something, Mike, which is uh, actually one of the upcoming shows is on three Ps. And for the people that are not familiar with that term, it's a private-public partnership. Uh, And and you said you were at what at a uh, breakfast meeting with uh, Governor Perry from California. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me, boy, I just made a boo boo there from Texas. Uh, my apology uh, to Governor Perry um, from Texas. Um, Texas has done a lot of three P work. Um, I, I got an upcoming guest, uh, which is uh, an old acquaintance, uh, and used to be the chairman of uh, Parson Brinkerhall and uh, currently with Fleur, and we were talking, and uh, uh, so they've done a lot of uh, 3P work, and uh, that's going to be an upcoming show, so we can dig into that a little bit. But are you aware of any of that type of work in California, 3P stuff? I am. I am, and the first one uh, that I'm really aware of (laughs) is the third phase of this Doyle Dive project, excuse me, Doyle Drive project in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first two phases are underway. That basically gets the southbound 
uh, infrastructure in place. Uh, the third project is the turnaround um, and then the, all the northbound back to the bridge. And it is uh, actually been uh, through the RFQ, RFP proposals, and is now waiting to finally be signed off. And um, that's really the only one that I'm aware of. There's there's a lot of other P3 projects, but they're considered toll roads. Um, right, right. And they get a revenue source by charging more money. The people in the Bay Area said, you got to be kidding me. We're going to go through the toll plaza <laughs> on the Golden Gate Bridge and pay six right. bucks and then drive half a mile and pay another toll. So they were uh, quickly finding that the only way to source this was basically a, a cash flow infusion that, you know, the the concessionaire will provide for no better reason, uh, no better wording, a uh, a cash flow for 30 years and get reimbursed on their on their cost. But, right. Um, you know, you're going to have a whole discussion on P3. I think. Yeah. You know, that's good uh, because that's really a last resort. And, and that's all we've we've kind of got for an upside to infrastructure in California. But mm-hmm. I personally, um, I, I don't like it um, mm-hmm. because of the fact that it brings in foreign money, <laughs> foreign yep. companies, yep. you know, these big conglomerates right. that come in and right. uh, take over these jobs. And, right. um, you know, I'm just a, you know, diehard USA guy, and mm-hmm. we're – setting up a platform where, unfortunately, these European companies, uh, you know, the South American companies, they've been doing it for 20 years. They come up here and they say, sure, we'll we'll take that on, and and they're getting a lot of work, and and they're going to get a lot of work. And, you know, so it's got a mixed blessing. It'll get work. It'll get jobs. It'll get things done, uh, creating, uh, you know, stopping a gap that we have in our funding, uh, holding that up. But, um, you know, it does it does bring in a lot of foreign investment, a lot of foreign uh, companies. Mm-hmm. I, but I, I agree think the with other you. Things that are out, yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead, Mike. No, and I think some of the other things need to really be looked at, though the design build and the okay. and, and the best value. Uh, Caltrans right now has 12 projects. That's all they've been, uh, you know, authorized to do. I think it's 10 or 12 pilot programs that's going to last until like 2014. I mean, we just can't turn things around quick enough in the state. Right. You know, they see a they see a possibility for doing things better, but they they're just so careful to not error, and they don't want to take too much risk. And so, you know, they start a program, and I think 2010, we're not going to be able to actually utilize it if it is good until 2015. Right. So, right. Right. we just got to be more progressive. You know. Governor Perry, you know, you look at what he's done. He's just set a roadmap for just being ultra, you know, aggressive about recruiting companies from California, right? And how to how to make it better to go to work there. Um, you know, and he's making no bones there. about it because he is active. He is in our state. He is knocking on our yeah. uh, our, our, our doors, and yet, uh, you know, I have a tendency to get myself in trouble from time to time. But yet. Uh, <laughs> we're sitting here in Sacramento. Oh, okay, that's cool. No, it's not cool. Uh, yeah. We we we, we, no, we gotta... you're, Yeah, you're vying for you know diminishing uh, number of businesses and and you know what they represent to the economy yeah. uh, for work and investment. And, you know, we just it, it's, we've got to run the state more like a business where if we don't 
have an aggressive policy and program and a long-term plan, uh, we're, we're not going to survive. It's kind of like what we were talking about with, you know, business management within the exactly. construction industry. You've, you've right. got to just flip that switch and say, I've got to create a new way of doing business and how I how I go after it. Cause... Yeah, it, that, that reminds me. Yeah, I, we were my wife and I were having uh, dinner last night with some friends, and the discussion uh, is our normal discussions. Because, uh, and and one of my friends brought up this thing of, about a mission statement, and 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 I perked up and I said, "Yeah, you're absolutely correct." And and he said, "The thing about a great mission statement that is." Uh, it's got to be emotional, and people got to understand, and it's a guiding light. And I couldn't agree with that more. And that's a little sidebar, but I couldn't help but think about that, what you've done uh, in, in your leadership with, with your company, uh, with all of the internal training and the partnering and the emotion, where your people are actually emotionally attached to Gelati Brothers. And I know that, right. uh, I know, you know, they're emotionally attached. Whereby a recent poll by Pew uh, Research comes out, and and in broad numbers, these were 67 percent of all American workers are detached from their organizations. So what you laid out and what you're doing uh, within your organization, and it's internal, it's partnering, it's all of these things, and being open and holding people accountable, and innovation, and all of these things. Uh, that's what we got to do, and that's what we got to do in the industry. And, and you also said very clearly, uh, we, we've got to make sure that we get our voices together uh, to, to be heard. And also, in upcoming shows, I've invited uh, uh, Jeff Dinaman and also uh, Congressman Farr that uh, we're trying to get them on the show as well to discuss some of these things. So uh, we're going to continue to do the things that we're doing as part of this outreach, uh, Mike, and uh, we've got about five minutes left in the show. And, um, and and I really want to thank you for taking your time on Saturday to, to, to share in this. But uh, in the next, uh, just kind of wrap up the next uh, couple of minutes, uh, some some parting advice. I mean, what what would you like to leave, we'll leave with? And uh, you've already given us a just a golden treasure of information today, and we want to thank you for that. So what else can you say to our industry out there that uh, that uh, would uh, they believe they should 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 hear? What what other great nuggets do you have? What, what would you offer some of our uh, peers in, in the listening today? Yeah, I, thanks, Jim. I, I think that the other thing that we really haven't had time to touch on, but I, I wouldn't, you know, you're at is to really look at partnering projects and when we talk about partnering we get caught up in the old uh, category of partnering the old you know misnomer that partnering means that you know we're going to come together we're, we're all going to you know, talk to each other and be nice and hold hands and sing kumbaya and all these things <laughs> And uh, you know, walk away as as friends, and then we lost you, Mike. You must your cell phones cut it out, Mike. Okay, we seem to have some techno problems where we lost uh, Mike. Uh, 
Are you are you there now, Jim? Yeah, yeah, you're back. Yeah, I'm continue. so sorry. I'm That's so okay. sorry. Uh, I was just talking about partnering and how. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. So we important. didn't touch on that that much. So, uh, and uh, but it's but it's a big deal. So we got uh, we got some time. Uh, to, uh, tell us about what you mean by that. And and you'd also in the early part of the show you talking about partnering programs with uh, Caltrans. So we got a couple of minutes. Yeah. So I would encourage all contractors to really invest in finding out about the new partnering. The old partnering is that sit around, meet each other, hold hands, sing kumbaya, <laughs> and leave as friends trying to go build a successful project. The first time we have a hiccup or a challenge or anything like that, we have nothing to fall back on. The new partnering is all about collaboration. It's all about getting together and setting goals, mutual goals, God. that benefit both the agency and the company. And right. establishing ways, procedures to achieve those goals, setting right, these big, right. hairy, audacious goals. Right. And what results in these partnering uh, projects is they get done quicker, they get cost less money because of the collaboration and the value engineering, they're safer, and at the end of the day, people enjoy what they're doing. Even people in Caltrans who, you know, are, are work furloughing these poor guys four days right. a week and they're trying to cover a job that's five days a week. But when you do partnering, they take an interest, they invest their energy, they see a result, they're happy, they're personally rewarded. And that's the value that we brought over internally when we started doing internally partnering. And, and how can we talk open and honestly, constructively to each other? You know, eliminate water cooler talk and, and rumors and all these negative cancers that, can, you know, take a company down. And a lot of it's because the principles of partnering that I've learned and people can reference partnering with the International Partnering Institute that we're mm -hmm. a member of uh, on mm -hmm. the board, and you can look that up on the web and, and find out about it there. But, uh, you know, that'll transcend your project. It'll transcend your company. It's just got a wealth of value for how you approach business, how you set goals, and how do you do this on a day-to-day -day where every day you hit the ground running and you have an expectation for success. i tell you what. Boy, listen to that. Uh, if, if you ever if you ever decide you don't want to be a contractor anymore, come on over to our side of the world. You know, hey, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, agree Caltrans with has, yeah, Caltrans has twenty thousand people, and when we started this partnering steering committee, they they made a vow to change the way they were doing business because they looked at they had. I just heard a figure they had uh, in two thousand before they did partnering. They had four hundred active arbitration cases going mm -hmm. on in Caltrans. And the the Will Kempton Caltrans director looked at that, that bonding measure, that bond measure that said, here comes all this work, and said, if we don't clean up how we do business, we're going to have a log jam in the system. It'll back up all the projects. We've mm -hmm. got to have a better way of doing business. And uh, so they trained 3,000 of their field employees in 2010, and uh, they are an agency which I don't say this often, an agency of, of interest, an agency of desire that you want to do business with. And they've created a whole new culture for them, and people that used to not want to do public works, Caltrans, now want to do it. So that's what yeah. other agencies and other local governments can do too, because at the end, it really needs to be a win-win. Yep. <laughs> if, if the agency 
and the and the local you know uh, cities and counties you know hammer these contractors into the ground to the point where we're not having success. That's not good for them either. So partnering, project partnering, internal partnering. Uh, it all sounds like a lot, but when you get into it and you find the mechanics of how it can help benefit your company and the industry, I think has tremendous value. Boy, I what what wonderful parting advice, and I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, I would welcome you back at any time, Mike. Thank you so much, and thank you for giving up our, uh, part of your Saturday morning, and we really appreciate it. And uh, our show next week, uh, same time, same place, uh, we're going to, well, right now we're trying to add a couple more, uh, uh, trying to get uh, Congressman Farr on the show next week, and we'll see how that goes. And uh, and, and for this week, uh, Mike Gelati, president of Gelati Brothers and San Fran. And Mike, uh, I, I just want to thank you. I mean, is, what you've shared has just uh, been so valuable. So thank you for your time. Thank you for all the listeners. And we will talk to you next week. Uh, Mike, thank, thank you, and have a, have a good day. Thank you, Jim, and thanks for having this forum to improve the industry. It's very, You're welcome. very good stuff. Very good. Thank you, sir, and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio.